0: So the men chased after them on the road to Jordan as far as the fords. See, they had board um, trucks back in those days. <laughs> Very, yeah, That's where we got our trucks. They shut, they shut the gate as soon as the pursuers went out after them. Verse 8, before the spies went to sleep, Rahab went up to, to them to the roof. And she said to them, men... And listen to this. This is amazing what she has to say. And actually now what she's going to say is one of the longest recorded narratives of a woman in the Old Testament. One of the longest uninterrupted narratives in the Old Testament of what a woman is saying. It's also interesting to notice that Rahab is mentioned in the New Testament more times than Joshua was. This is a very famous woman. This is a woman that we'll see later on is really used mightily in God's plan. And so she goes up there and she says she says to them in verse 8 and verse 9, I know that the Lord has given you the land. Wow, this is a persuaded woman. She goes guys, she goes upstairs they're getting ready to go to sleep. She goes, "Guys, I want to tell you I know that God has given you the land. I know this, I'm persuaded for the dread For dread from you has fallen upon us. Can you imagine that? And all the inhabitants of the land melt in terror before you. Wow. That's incredible. Think of Joshua, his ragtag group of just renegade army. And they're just kind of, by faith, they cross over the Jordan. They're crossing over the Red Sea. Um, There's just all these things that are going on. There's so much dysfunction in the Israeli camp. There are stories, there are things that are, that are, um, that are happening, and, then, and yet the terror, the, the reputation of God's people and their victories are going on before them. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. How long ago was that? Forty plus years. So 40 plus years earlier than this meeting that she has with these men. These are, uh, there's a story, there's a testimony that's already out there that people are talking about in the courtyards, that people are talking about at the, um, uh, at the um, places of buying and selling, uh, people's homes. Uh, there's this talk about there's these, this, impending, this impending disaster that's going to fall on this land and in, in Jericho. And when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites, who were on the other side of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed, you completely destroyed them. Our hearts melted, verse 11, when we heard these things. And no man had any breath in him because of you. For the Lord your God (coughs) is God in heaven above and on earth below. This is a very interesting woman very interesting story very interesting testimony and I'm kind of belaboring this point because there's a reputation about God and his history in your lives and in my lives and in the lives of people in this book and this is what we've got to park at we are going to we hear stories and testimonies last night we gathered together with the team uh, of, of, our, of our church, so the Evergrace team, and we just taught and for the first half of the meeting, we just listened to what God was doing in people's lives. And that built me up so much that God is moving in people's lives. <clears throat> and so she said, your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. So now, verse 12, since I have acted faithfully, and I want to stop there for a second. <clears throat> Rahab here was chosen by God to receive these spies And we see we think about rahab we think about her life she's a prostitute she's selling herself her body and for services for the pleasure of people Uh, she is she is locked into this culture of this small city the doors the gates of the city are closed at night so people are not going anywhere this is not a place of freedom this is not a place of joy this is she is doing this because She needs money or maybe this is her identity or maybe this is the way she was brought up or for whatever reason she's doing this and she has a family. And she's a family maybe she's trying to support. And we've all heard stories about how um, just unfortunate things that happen to people that bring them into a a circumstance where they find themselves addicted and enslaved to a certain lifestyle that they feel like they can never get out of. And I was thinking this morning about Rahab, and I was thinking about how people there are today that are like Rahab. They live in a they live in a Jericho, they live in the walls, they live in a house that's on a wall. They're locked in. They 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 are thinking, I am so disgraced. I am so disrespected. I'm the talk of the town. And uh, she knew secrets about people that really nobody else knew in the town. She knew things about. She knew things about maybe. Uh, Leaders and maybe even moral good-looking people or maybe people that were of high influence. She knew all of these things. She was probably maybe considered the trash of the town, someone that was not desirable and was just used for something and then just thrown away like we see in our culture today. I think Jericho speaks to me as a picture of the world system that we live in. The system that we live in that's cursed in Genesis chapter 3, the earth is the earth the, the ground that because Adam sinned, everything about his world became cursed and broken. And that's the Jericho that we live in. We create these cities. It says Cain left the presence of God and he built a city. When people leave the presence of God or when God's presence is not in their life, there's this sense I have to construct something, I have to build something. Because I'm trying to get back to that utopia, that Eden that I was kicked out of. And that's really the motivation that people have. And so she's in this Jericho. And this is the Jericho in archaeology. And I love reading archaeology. I love reading about ancient, ancient history. And this city was probably one of the oldest cities in the world at the time. And it was also the lowest, 700 feet below sea level. This is a city that had a reputation, we'll talk about it next week, about worshiping the, the moon god, which is a very, very, very old god. And she's living in this city. She's enslaved. She's locked into this lifestyle. And she's probably wondering, is this it? I have no family. I have no heritage. I have no pride. And I'm going nowhere. And yet, God sends two men to her. Why? Because God is a God of redemption. And God gets glory in redeeming. God gets glory. Gra- the grace of God, it's been told, that it looks for the lowest spot and goes there and dwells and blesses. It's like rain. When it finally rains here in Texas, I'm sure that the rain's going to all quickly go to the lowest, the lowest hole, the lowest spot, the lowest crevice, where it's the driest place and it's going to go there first and it's going to fill that up. And that's the grace of God. That's the redemption of God. God's motive is to go to the lowest place in your life. Don't hide your low places, guys. Don't, don't hide those places that are just empty and that are deep in these rooms that nobody knows about that are in your soul. Don't hide that from God. Psalm 51, you knew, he says, he says to God, you knew the deepest places. And he says, I don't hide my sin from you. I think we have to be careful as a church In America, that we would not create a Christian culture where only the good people can go there. Only the people that got their life together can go there. Only the people that look really good on the outside, that don't have any problems. The church is a place where there's a lot of brokenness. And if you look at the children of Israel, you look at the disciples, you look at the first church in the book of Acts, you see the church in Corinth, you just see a lot of brokenness. You see a lot of brokenness. And it's okay when you have a lot of broken pieces in your life because the treasure inside of you shines through those cracks. Isn't that beautiful? So Rahab, Rahab here is the point person. This is the person that God wants to use. There's many other great people. I'm sure there's many other great moral people that were morally together in in, in Jericho, I 'm sure that they were good people, they were moms that really loved their kids. there were dads probably that worked really hard in Jericho. There were people that were that were just um, uh, that were just truly worthy of all the best and that should have been delivered from the impending doom that was coming upon them from God. and yet Rahab is the only one. Why is that? Well, because forty years and I think that we sometimes hear people say, and maybe you 've heard people say it, God is a very... He's a, he's a bully. We read the Old Testament and He's coming in and He's slaying children and He's slaying animals. He's slaying people, innocent people. And, and we read these things and we're just astounded at the violence that we're reading. And, but that's, that's not so. And let me explain why. Jericho had 40 years plus to, uh, hearing the testimony of what God was doing. And they had, a mo- they had that chance To look to to God, Yahweh, who is the God of all other gods, who is God of all, greater than all other gods, and say, you are God of heaven and you are God of earth. And one person did that, and that was Rahab. God doesn't look to the person that has everything together. God is not looking to us if if we've ceased from all of our sins or our besetting. God is looking to the one who will fear him that will say, yes, Jesus, come into my life, save me. And that man that cries out for mercy. And so Rahab says, your God is God in heaven above and below. And so she's believing. She's believing. This is a beautiful picture. Verse 12, So now since I have acted faithfully towards you, I love this, she's making a deal. <laughs> God loves deals, don't you? Don't you like that? Jacob is saying to he's wrestling with the angel, like you bless me, and God is a God to be engaged, right? I think that we pray, okay, I prayed my prayers, I did my devotions, okay, amen. I think God wants us to engage him. He wants us to come in and sit and like and just duke it out, say and just wrestle with the Lord. You say, Well, that doesn't sound very, you know, that doesn't sound very spiritual well why did I think why did peter why was Peter chosen as the, as a the, as the head as the head disciple the head apostle because Peter always engaged Christ Peter didn't have everything together he was not as well spoken as maybe John he was not a very good accountant, maybe like judas he wasn't very he there's a lot of things that he wasn't, but he knew how to engage God he knew how to engage Jesus in prayer and so Rahab here is engaging these men and she sees an opportunity here she says Now since I have acted faithfully towards you, please swear to me by the Lord that you will also act faithfully toward my father's house. Please give me a firm pledge, verse 13 of of Joshua 2, that you will spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all whom they own, and that you will deliver our lives from death. What does that sound like to you? That sounds like a prayer for salvation. That sounds like a plea for mercy this sounds like a person who's understanding there's an opportunity here and she's crying out and the men said to her in verse 14 our lives are yours wow there's a here are the armies of Israel two men they're scouts and they come and they're talking to this woman who, who really could they're in a very vulnerable place in many ways and they say to her we're going to enter into this covenant with you our lives are yours If you do not report us, then when the Lord gives us the land, in verse 14, we will act faithfully and kindly with you. Then Rahab lowered them by a rope through the window, for her home was set into the wall where she lived. And she said to them, go to the hill country so that the pursuers do not find you. Hide there three days until the pursuers return. Why three days? Um, There's a lot of spiritual significance there. There's a lot of symbolism there death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But the Hittites and their military policies um, always, when there was an invasion into one of their cities, uh, they were mandated to go out for three days and look for the invaders. And so she says go out there because she knew that the Hittites or the Canaanite military policies would only last for three days and then they could go home safely. And when she lets them out, the men said to her, we will be free from this oath in verse 17, We'll be free from this oath that you have made us swear unless when you come into the land you tie this red cord to the window through which you let us down. It's a red cord. It's a red cord that she let them down and now that cord that she allows them to escape is the red cord that's going to save her. Red, what, is that, what does that symbolize in the Bible? Red. The blood of Jesus Christ, right? that's what that re- the blood of Jesus Christ the red here is re- is a cord of redemption and she's letting them out and now it's going to be a sign of their salvation and their and their deliverance and their safety and what does that remind us of in Exodus chapter 12 that when the death angel the last of the 10 plagues were going to go through Egypt and wipe out all the firstborn of the of the of this, of this of the country that this red the red blood of the lamb that would be painted and on and put on the doorposts over the door of the house will be a, a symbol of that these are God fears here these are people that understand the blood of Christ and have the blood applied in their life and so they are spared from the judgment and the wages of sin and this is what Rahab is doing Rahab is now going to have this red cord and I'm wondering I can't help but thinking that these two men They see the red rope as they're going down, and they're saying, "This reminds us of Exodus chapter 12, that through the blood of Jesus Christ, the sins are there's the forgiveness of sin, there's the remittance of sin, and their sin is no longer counted against us. It's no longer we're we're not our sin is not imputed to us." And so they say, "If this red cord is let down, um, this will be a sign of where we should not go and destroy." And she said, and "I like these words here. You must bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and all who belong to your father's household into your home." What does that sound like to you? Sounds like believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved, and your whole house, right? That's beautiful, isn't it? Are we? Are you Rahab today, or is there a Rahab in the room? Maybe you're not guilty of her sin, but there's sin is whenever we sell ourselves out for something because we don't understand our value we sell ourselves out, we sell out our soul, our mind, our experiences, our emotions to something that that promises to give us a sense of of stimulation of life, a sense of value a sense of I'm alive are we that person today, are we stuck in a Jericho where we can't get out are we stuck in the walls that we could never get out of are we living in a culture that has already predestinated or um, preplanned our future? It could be. There could be someone that is living within the walls of depression or living within the walls of anxiety or living within the walls of fear or living within the walls of something that is so old and so ancient that we feel like we can never get out of that. Do you ever feel that way about sin in your life? I have felt that way. <coughs> I have felt <coughs> in times of my life where I'm I am a slave to sin in Romans chapter 7 who will deliver me from this you spend you spend all of this time and you're battling with something and you feel like I'm a Christian for so many years yet I'm still within these walls of Jericho and I can't seem to get out and we kind of feel like we're stuck and then God sends us two witnesses of the impending miracle of God and we're given the blood of Jesus Christ, which is a sign of redemption. <clears throat> and, they, and, they, and they say to her, stay inside the house. This is an important lesson for us. I remember talking to a young teenager years ago. Uh, and he was a Christian. He's doing great these days. He's doing very good now. He's grown up. But he was struggling with just partying. And he was just like, he was living here in the woodlands. And he would go downtown and just party and he would come, and I would meet with him once a week, and we just talk. And this was just, I, would, I did this for two years. I met with him once a week at Subway, and we talked. And he would just kind of tell me the battles that he was in, the addictions. And, and I said to him, I said, you know something? I said, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You've been called by God. You are, you are, you are not of this world. You're different. You have received something in your life, and it could be that you could be downtown partying and something going on, and then um, you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, and then impending, impending disaster happens to you and the friends that you're with, and then you find out you're in jail. And that actually happened to him not so long afterwards. He was out having fun with his friends, and then he, he and his friends wound up in jail. He was let out, and he called me right up, and he says, "I got to meet with you," and we talked. And you know I said we said we just talked about the redemptive plan of God. I said that's not where you belong. And this is what the spies said to the woman Rahab and her family that you need to be in your house when because when judgment comes when when the armies of Israel come in and they're starting to w- wipe things out and people start dying, we can't guarantee your safety. And I think that's a picture of the Christian you and I that we've received redemption. We've received a promise. We've received hope. We've received the information that this life that we're living now in this in this world, this Jericho that's cursed and broken, is going to be at one point wiped out, and God's going to create a brand new world and a brand new creation, and we're going to be rulers and kings and priests in this in this new time when we're going to reign with Christ. And yet, until that happens... We are called to abide in the household of our of the faith, that we are called to abide into a place where there are Christians, there are people that have the same faith, and this is a safe place. Because if if we are out wandering around and we're outside and we get careless and we forget that that this world is broken, and at any time there could be something that just is so crazy that happens to us that we're in the wrong place at the wrong time and we could, be, we could find ourselves right in the midst of it and actually be harmed. And so the, the two spies say, don't go outside because we can't be responsible for you. For me, that speaks of that there's a place. There's a place for me to be. There's a place for you to be. It's a place of safety. It's Psalm, 90, Psalm 91, it's the presence of God. It's the household of faith. And so she's there. And after all of that, they, and so the the promise is this, anybody that you can get in your house is going to be saved. And it speaks to me of like evangelism, getting the word out. Come to the house, come to the people of God. I'm not talking about this building here on Tamina because this is a, you know, this is a warehouse, but I'm talking about the household of faith, the body of Christ, the community, the church itself. And being in this household of faith, there's safety here. There's a covering here. There's joy here. There's healing here. And at the end of this conversation, in verse 20, they say, if you tell us about this business of ours, then we will have, we are released from the oath that you have made a swear. <clears throat> in verse 21, and I think this is the moment <clears throat> where she receives in a personal way the promise and she says let it, let it be so according to your words. Who else said that? Mary, Mary the mother of Jesus. She said that to the, to, the, to the angel of the Lord that came to her and said let it be according to your words. Here Rahab is surrendering submitting to the plan of God and we see that she's going to be rescued. What an amazing story. Um and her family and those that she brought into her house are spared. I love this because in verse 21 God delivers us. He brings salvation to us. from. Inc- and you know when the word salvation is not just a theological word of salvation but it's also deliverance from the impending curse that is in this world. Rahab is after she gets this information of what's going to happen to Jericho we don't read that she goes back out that she's investing in her life there, that she's starting to put all this trust in, the, in Jericho. She understands that this whole system is coming apart. It's coming down. It's going to be destroyed. It's going to come to an end. And she has a brand new hope in her life. And she has this hope. And when this happens, this is such a beautiful picture of John chapter 6, verse 47. Truly, truly, Jesus says to her, uh, to, to his disciples in John 6, I say to you, whoever believes in me has eternal life. Rahab is believing on the message of the two spies and now she's going to escape death. And that's the same for us. What happens? Her faith is proof of the gracious saving purpose of God. His overarching decree is that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved in Joel 2 verse 32. This is one of the most dramatic examples of the grace of God in the Old Testament and is set in bold relief by the questionable aspects of Rahab's profession and and confession. I want to end with this. When we think of a great, great, great God, and when we understand how great and mighty he is, we understand the other side of the coin, how great and nasty and and terrible and horrible the life outside of God is. Our life outside of God. We don't understand... We don't understand the kid, how dangerous and how, how bad this world that, that we live in. We don't understand the evil of it until we understand how great God is. If we have a small concept and a small understanding of who God is, if our eyes are not enlightened, as it says that Paul said to the Ephesians, that our, the eyes of our understanding would be opened and that we'd be enlightened to what is the wisdom and the grace and the power and the nature and the character of God, if we don't have that happen, then our concept of sin is going to be very small. Oh, it's nothing. It's nothing. And I, I don't, I don't want to make the issue of sin here because that's been paid for 2,000 years ago. But let's, if, we have a, if we're struggling with something, look at God. And if you look at God, then you're going to understand the perspective of everything else in your life. And so she says, let this be according to your words. What happens? Well, Rahab becomes, we read in Matthew chapter 1. Hebrews 11 and James chapter 2, we see there's quite a bit the New Testament has to say about her. And let's read that here together. Matthew includes Rahab as one of the four mothers of Jesus' genealogy. Wow. You know that? Like, Jesus, who is your mother? Wow. You know, that's unbelievable. Matthew chapter 1, verse 5. God gets glory in reaching down to the, to the, to the worst and the most broken because very, very often it's the worst and the broken that are humble enough to receive Christ. Do you know that all of the United States in prisons across America, that there's this incredible revival that's going on, that there are prisoners that are just guilty of the most heinous things that you can imagine that are now worshiping, and praising God? Can you imagine like, what God is doing in prisons where people that are never, ever, ever going to get out of that building? And they are just they are, they, it's all God and there's nothing else for them. And that's why I think that unless we humble ourselves and receive that free gift of grace, that we're going to keep trying to make things happen in our city of Jericho, and eventually it all comes crashing down. The, the author of Hebrews includes her among the great examples of faith because she welcomed the spies. Hebrews chapter eleven, verse thirty-one. She welcomed the spies by faith. There was a law in a, a Hanurabi code. It was law number one hundred and nine. I was reading it this morning. And it was it was written because of what happened here historically that if there is a prostitute that is running a hotel or an inn that that um, that that there that if there are spies and there are people that that come in that that go there to conspire against the city that that that, that inn is in that that's a that's a crime this was <laughs> this was so interesting that when she said yes to the spies and she said no to the, the the men that came from the king that I don't know where they are, she's lying to them. She's lying to them. And I can't explain that. Do Christians lie? We're told that we're not supposed to lie, but I cannot explain what's going on here. Because in, in Acts chapter 5, it's better to obey God than it is to obey men in some cases here. And so she's, she welcomes these spies by faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31, she's part of the heroes of faith. And then the letter of James offers Rahab as an example of faith and action combined. James 2:25 says, "Was it not Rahab the prostitute justified by works, when she received the messengers and sent them out of another way? I want to, cl- I want to conclude this simple message with three things about Rahab. Rahab heard about the mighty works of God and was persuaded. You know, you and I are, you know, there's, there's word on the streets that, that God is doing things. When you and I enter into circumstances, we have no idea who and how great we are as God's people. And I know, <clears throat> I know demons and I know principalities and powers are trembling because you're walking by faith every day, <clears throat> their hearts are melting. Number two, <coughs> she by faith hid the spies with the threat of hers and her family's life. <coughs> Number two, Rahab was set apart. This is a picture of our sanctification. Separated, she was sanctified by the hope and promise. Not putting her hope in the future and the power of Jericho, and that's sanctification, f- friends. Sanctification is understanding that Jericho is just is going to all come coming is going to all come crumbling in very soon. And so I'm not putting my hope in my and all of my dreams in Jericho. I have plans, we're good stewards of the, of the things that God has given us in this world. We use the world not to abuse it, but my hope is not in this system or wh- whoever is elected or whoever is running things. And that's how we sanctify, we sanctify ourselves by hope. And I think just the sheer terror of understanding that, and this is wisdom when we think about a different alternative lifestyle, that what could happen, where does that road lead? It's unbelievable. And then, lastly, Rahab's past was wiped, out, was wiped out with no heritage to point to for her children. She was a new person. We read in Joshua chapter 6, I think it's verse 25, near the end of the chapter, there's an account of what God, has done, has what God had done after the walls of Jericho came down. And there's a little piece in there that says, and Rahab and all of her family were part of the Israelites. I wonder how that looked. You know, Israelites had all their clothes, their culture and everything like that, and here's Rahab with her style, just with her clothes, with her family. I'm sure there's double takes. People were wondering, who is this person? That's the person that delivered the first city over to you in the promised land. And that's how God works. Don't look at your life as like some, like, you know, what am I? God wants to use you and I to work victories and to deliver uh, people over into a place of just victory by the simple testimony of you believing God by faith, the word of God. And when that happens, then... then there's this beautiful thing that happens. And so Rahab now, and I was thinking about it. Jericho is just absolutely wiped out. And there's nothing there, just sand. And so here's Rahab growing up. She's, she's starting to have grandkids now. And where are you from? Tell us about where you're from. Well, I'm from that it doesn't exist anymore. And that's how it is with our sin, our past, our, our, all of our brokenness. It's been wiped out by the judgment of God on the cross of Jesus Christ. It's wiped out. There's nothing to point to. And when you say that Jericho, what is Jericho now? It's Rahab who is from Israel. Rahab um, has a child. And what is, what is his name? Boaz. Who's Boaz? Boaz marries Ruth. Ruth is a Moabitess. Ruth in Ruth chapter 1 says the same thing that Rahab says to the spies. It's amazing if you just read it. Sometimes she says it like, "Wherever you go, I'm going to go." That's what Rahab is saying to these two men. And then what Ruth? Ruth gives birth to who? There's this, and, and then the, the son of uh, the, her son is Jesse, and Jesse's the father of David the king. And then David the king is David the king of Israel. And then we know that Jesus is from that line of David, and we can look back and say, "Wow." We look at the genealogy, we look at the history, and it's like not really great people. So don't beat yourself up. Don't condemn yourself. You and I are are a work of grace. We are what we are today by the grace of God. We're not where we are here today because we've attained to some level of spirituality. We really are here by the grace of God. And if you're here and you're feeling, I don't feel like I should belong with this group of people. Everybody's so holy. Everybody's so great. You know, don't think that way. Because... We are all very broken here and we are just saved by grace and we have received something and now we are part of something that we were never a part of before and we have a future. Rahab has a future and we have a future and what happens Christ is born through Rahab's Christ is born through Rahab's life. You and I are like Rahab, we have Christ born out of us we are revealing Jesus Christ through the grace of God. And that's the simple message I wanted to share with you this morning, Miss Bauer.